0: Welcome to I'm a Rescue Podcast. I'm Steph Clark.
1: And I'm Tom Clark. And we
0: have a very special, lovely guest slash friend with us today. Before, some of them were not friends.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we had mostly we're enemies so- <laughs> on prior to this. And uh, this is our first friend. This is our uh, first friend. Even though my dad's been on the podcast. Not <laughs> okay. a friend.
2: Not a friend. And he my
0: mom.
1: And her mom, yes. Uh, yes, joining- We have
0: the oh. wonderful jeff johnson
2: is that what do you insert applause sounds there? <laughs> I, don't know, I feel like she's <laughs> i feel like there should be an audience for that part yeah um, hi. Like, hi hi
0: there's my applause i'm excited i,
2: I got to be in the friend category Let's, yeah
1: uh, you are a friend of the show friend of the podcast jeff yeah. johnson uh jeff is a comedian he is an editor he produced uh produced documentaries actually we want to find out a little bit we're actually in his office in burbank uh, can we say the name of the company? Here? Yeah, Outpost uh, Media. Outpost Media, beautiful office here in Burbank, deep in Burbank. It's deep, deep, deep in, in the heart. heart of, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, this it's, is... Uh,
2: it's where a lot of magic happens. Yeah, so. a lot of
1: dreams, a lot of dreams. <laughs> a lot of dreams <laughs> have come. Uh, and, uh, a lot of s- dreams have come. Have come. That's the name of my next special, Dr- <laughs> dreams have come. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's that's going to be a terrible name. Uh, but yeah, Jeff... Uh, Jeff and I, let's see, we go back to our days at uh, Marie Callender's in Valencia when there was a comedy show, JR's Comedy Club in Valencia, RIP.
2: Yeah, yeah, Marie Callender's is gone. That was a good show because – Uh, everybody got pies at the end of the show. like
1: pies, like not just a piece of pie. You got got to take home a pie. You got to take home a pie. That's
0: why they're out of business because you guys (laughs) are giving away a lot
1: of pies. A lot of pies. (laughs) Oh, my god. I, my favorite, I don't know if you worked with me on this show, but I worked there with uh, I was featuring at the time, not to brag, and uh and jimmy schubert was working with me no i've
2: never worked with Jimmy. Schubert. oh my god I,
1: yeah. and jimmy schubert is not built for the, that room and there is some woman who is sort of just chiming in with each of the jokes like that happened to me or do no, not you know like just like very corny like that's what she said that type of stuff and jimmy just went off on her and he's <laughs> like he's like you I'm not going to say the word because I, I like it. But he's like, you curly-haired C-word. In uh-huh. <laughs> calendars? That's, even, that's better. You uh.
0: curly-haired
2: C-word.
1: <laughs> that's the name her, of my special. Yeah, called it the C. <laughs> and like Randy, uh, the guy who runs it, is always like, hey, don't, you know, keep it clean. PG-13. At PG-13. <laughs> he just said that. And I was just, died. Because the poor lady was just like, you know, she's like, that's what she said. And he's like, shut up. And he just called, and uh, it was like, and Jimmy just didn't care. Like, Jimmy doesn't care if he has booked but that was one of the funniest. Uh, there was some, yeah, that was such an interesting, it was fun to play. I, I yeah, loved I loved it. They it. were there
2: for 19 years. Uh, that's where I, I didn't start, start. I had been doing comedy for about a almost a year when I got that gig, and um, uh, it was a year of, like, Desperately hoping for stage time in L.A. Right. And picking up three minutes here or there. Um, so that was seven years ago. And uh, I had done like a stand-up comedy class. Um, and trying to pick up sets, it was like three minutes. And you would do, I'm only going to do my best material. And it wasn't good now, I realize. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but you were scared of ever doing anything new. And then I got that gig. Randy told me I was too dirty initially for that room. Wow. Um, too which, edgy. Yeah. He hadn't I was, seen Jimmy Schubert. I yeah, guess. Apparently he'd <laughs> Jimmy's set. Uh, but then I talked him into that gig and four years I spent there. And it, wow. it, it was 19 years that they, they were in the back of that room. It was a and, fun room a lot of the time. And yeah. you were
0: there every weekend, right? Nearly every, every weekend for four years. Wow. I mean,
2: Towards the end, I, I was finally starting to feature on the road a little bit. So I would get people in to, to cover weekends. Um, I had a few people that would cover for me, but, but close to four years of watching, you know, people like you and, um, you know, Quindale. Uh, other Dale and yeah. and all these people that I kind of got to know, uh, Don Friesen. I, I watched headlin- Headliners and Features for four years right. and got to host it. And the other thing I figured out really quickly was everybody was regular. So the second week I showed up um, and I, I recognized people. I was like, oh, they were here last week. I was like, I was like, I better write. Right, right. <laughs> yeah,
0: it forces
1: you. Yeah. to work on. It was really, material. really
2: good for that. It forced me to write a lot because I didn't want to feel like they were seeing the stuff, the same stuff every week. So. And
1: and for like for me as a as a comic, this like Valencia is like I lived in Encino at the time, so I was probably like twenty minutes away. Mm-hmm. But it was like a road room. It was like it, uh, really it was is. like a nice road crowd that was like there for comedy. They yeah. weren't jaded. They weren't in the business. So, like, as a comic, to get a Friday and Saturday night, weekend, you're staying home and to be able to work on material or, you know, just, you know, perform for 45 minutes or 30 minutes... Uh, was awesome like, and, and as a as a new comic you that's you you don't realize what a gift that was i had no and, idea and you got
0: good so quickly i think because of that
2: yeah I, I had that real regular every weekend i had two shows of you know basically they told me to do 12 to 15 minutes each night and and as quickly as i figured out how many the regulars were there i started writing really fast and and I, you know, I was I was 38 when I started, so I had a lot of stuff to draw on. I already had three kids. I had a lot of things that I was kind of trying to mine from. And the uh, the thing, I, I didn't realize how good that room was for those experiences until now I've been out doing the other road rooms, and, and now I kind of miss that Valencia thing. I like doing Steph's uh, gigs, your gigs, a lot for the same reason, These the suburb gigs. I, I right. like them a lot more than coming into L.A. I don't... Right. I don't find a lot of um, uh, a, a lot of audiences that are necessarily my audience when I come into L.A. Um, right. I,
1: I I remember Greg Fitzsimmons uh, was <laughs> he had showed up like at an open mic I went to when I first moved out here and he was like he was prepping his set for the like the comedy Bang Bang show which was like the alternative comedy show because it wasn't because it's like that's like a different world like these alt rooms like you do the virgil or something like that which are some of the altier rooms it's like you got to prepare a whole different set (laughs) than what you do in valencia and to me it's like these comics like you got to be good at every every room and it's Mm -hmm. like these comics don't they focus so much on getting in we were just talking about that like being in these la rooms and then it's like well guess what like if you your money is out on the road and if you don't relate to those audiences You're not going to make money in this business unless you suddenly become famous through, you know, whatever. But, you know, whether it's Tom Segura or whoever, they got good from learning how to work all audiences. And I think people don't always understand that.
2: Well, one of the experiences that jumped out at me was like doing this, I think, 1030 show in Hollywood on a Monday night. And uh, the show was at 1030, but I had no idea what was going on. And I finally got up about 1230. And all night you just kind of watch more and more people walk out. And I remember looking at that audience and go, I'm never in Hollywood at 1230 on a Monday night. Like I work, I've got kids. Like I don't know what they're even going to have. And, and so I just I just called it out. I was like, "We have, n- I'm you plus 20 years of bad decisions and that's it. <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and so I, I, I got them to warm up to me. But at the same time I'm looking at it going, I don't think these are the shows I should be doing all the time. This isn't the best – this isn't the best thing for me in terms of that. But I can have a fun time in that situation if I want to. It's just a matter of like I don't – that's not I, – I prefer to be in Encino or, or um, Westlake Village or, you know, Ventura. Those are the yeah. audiences that I kind of – and I, I just I, – I love being in places like Boise or, you know, I got to go to Chattanooga and I loved it. I, it was just so much fun to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Those road rooms. We were just in Milwaukee. And uh, yeah. Steph loves Steph (laughs) loves getting away from. I mean, she's performed enough now, but she loves Milwaukee. It's like her. I'd say that's like your second favorite.
0: Yeah. I love Milwaukee. It's great. And also, but like to go back to that Monday night, 1030, almost 1230 spot. It's like you don't want to. You you have you have a job and kids. It's like I, I got a job that you don't want to you want to <laughs> so. stay stay up till one in the morning for performing for like an in, like an indifferent like twenty something year old kid for people that who have don't they, they
2: don't have anything that they're really quickly relating to me. I mean, I can fight through it. I, I can adapt, but um that's not that's not where i want to spend all my time to be honest because it's just then I, i'm done at one and i'm driving back to santa clarita and it's just it's a gr- it's a grind that I'm, it, I'm not getting enough out of i think i prefer to you know like i said do some of the suburb type stuff and right i like road gigs now i mean i really am enjoying it
1: so, yeah and i remember meeting you um because yeah you took over for uh, Randy's wife who was running the room
2: uh, uh, actually the one I took over for at the end was Jamie um, uh, Alcroft Jamie, oh, yeah, Jamie Alcroft. Alcroft he ran it for about a year in between Diana um, right yeah and, Mac, that's right Mac and so
1: Jamie Alcroft was part of a comedy team Mac and Jamie yeah. uh, back in the 70s and 80s I think, I think so. they were uh, they're pretty big like they had, yeah, a, had, a, com- had a TV show and uh, yeah and uh, yeah so then but Jeff took over for the, him and uh i just noticed jeff was very jovial very like very very different from most comics you meet. and then i found out he was mormon and then it all made sense uh, yeah or that i had been mormon had <laughs> been. Spoiler yeah alert. yeah yeah because um, yeah, i think when we met that's when you were sort of like had like we just sort of started talking i don't know how we started talking about whatever being Mormon or whatever, but you, you were basically telling your wife like, Hey, I'm not going to church. Yeah. Anymore.
2: Or, or at least not too long before that, I guess I had, um, I had left basic. I, I grew up Mormon. Um, from the time I was, I guess about seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom joined the Mormon church and, uh, And when I went to college, I went to college at uh, Rick's College in Rexburg. There's no apostrophe, so it's not owned by him. It's uh, (laughs) like Thomas Ricks, I think, is the guy that (laughs) named it after. I'm Um, Rick. I'm I'm Rick, and that's my college. Um,
0: Oh, I was going to say have a beer, read some books, but they're not about the beer. No, no beer. beer. Have a
2: um, root beer. And uh, Mm -hmm. so it was a Mormon college. It's now called, it's now BYU-Idaho. So uh, it was kind of the two-year version of uh, BYU. And so that's where I met my wife. We got married. Um, uh, I was 19. She was 18. Wow. Like super early. Um,
1: that's like old, though, in, in, <laughs>
2: in Mormon years. Yeah. Right? Most Mormon guys had gone on a mission, though. So they were usually oh, yeah, 21. Yeah. So the girls, a lot of times, were you know, 18, 19. But but I was young, even for the Mormon guy standards. Um, did you not go on a mission? I did not. I did not oh, go wow. on a mission. I just wasn't in, it, That's even when I was uh, – I'm kind of the same way now that I was then. Uh, in terms of when I was woman I wasn't really interested in convincing everybody else. Uh, and when I'm now that I'm not, I'm not really interested in convincing everybody else that I'm right. I just kind of I'm very live and let live in terms of whatever makes you happy, do right. your thing as long as it doesn't sort of tread on everybody else. Right, and that was is that the- where the
0: conflict happened, or not conflict? But you know, is that what the decision? to leave the
2: church well it was ultimately the decision to leave the church came from that it came from like prop 8 Um, the church had gotten and a lot of the members had gotten really active in the the California prop 8 thing which was like banning gay marriage and I already didn't believe at that point because I had read some, I, I, I had opened some books that uh, you kind of would have stayed away from when you were Mormon, and I'd read more about the history, and it just, things just didn't add up for me, ultimately. It's one of those, like, Pandora's box kind of things. When you grow up in it, you have these blinders on. Right. And I think in most experiences... Yeah, Tom
0: relates to that with growing with up Catholic. Catholic yeah.
2: you, you don't look outside of that. You just, you just sort of are fed what you're fed, and you... You, you roll with it, right? And, and you don't it question it. It doesn't yeah. seem weird to you because it's all you know, right?
1: Like the body of Christ. Like people always made, would people still make jokes about it? It's like no, it's just, it's just a thing. It's like I don't really yeah. think it's the body of Christ. Like it's, I don't think that's the blood of Jesus. It's, right. I just did. It was just sort of like something you learn, and you just sort of like, I don't, I don't, whatever. Like I got to be here for an hour. <laughs> well, Mormons was like three hours. Oh that my was... god!
2: Yeah. But I think Mormons look really strange to people who aren't but when you're in it all the time it's like you can't see the forest for the trees a little bit you're just so in the mix that, right um, everything just seems like this is just the way we do things mm-hmm. and then as people start to question you as you grow older you start to maybe form some some concrete opinions about it but you still have gone to sources that are based on uh, you know that are based and fueled in mormonism and you're taught to like stay away from outside things you're taught to be really careful about what sources you're reading and what their intentions are and um and then a thing happened called the internet and uh it kind of it made things difficult i think to everything just got got published and compared and it's been a challenge i think for the mormon church at this point to kind of keep some of their history uh, quite as um, hidden as it was. Well, right. for any religion, any really. Religion. And it's that's like thing.
0: the control, I think, in my opinion, that they don't want you to read anything else. They want to control your thoughts and yeah. your opinions. When, and,
1: I, when I left my... So when I was started debating about moving to L.A., I was working at a uh, <clears throat> for this Catholic group. This, they were called... Uh, Opus Dei which is like Mm -hmm. the extreme Catholics like that's what like Da Vinci Code was based
2: on was like the The Dan Brown stuff yeah
1: yeah it was like the so (laughs) they they were I had a newspaper article written about me about our comedy group and it said uh, we're the dead ale wives and uh they're like, they're a bit risque on stage. And then the director or the board of director guy was like, you know, well, I don't know if we really want a risque performer. It's like, you might have to make a decision at some point. It's like, all right, I've made my decision. I'm going to L.A. And then I remember before I left, this guy said uh, to me, he's like, uh, he's very gruff. And he's like, well, how do you think you're going to make it out of there with all the Jews and homosexuals running
2: everything? <laughs> <laughs>
0: So he married a jail. Isn't that
2: crazy? Looking back at that now, though, uh, with when you have so many other experiences of like how absurd that sounds. Right, it probably sounded like. It sounded aggressive to you at the time, but now, having branched out, it's probably like, "Holy crap! I can't believe someone like let those words come out of their mouth." Right. To me. But I, but, I but know,
1: now it makes sense why I haven't made it
2: as right. the Jews and homosexuals. Right. Well, right. I mean, there's uh-huh. that's, there's a big anti Tom Clark movement right. among uh, the Jews and homosexuals. Right. Right
0: now. <laughs> well, well, both of you guys seem to make decisions. about love and like what you know to be open minded as mm-hmm. to like whatever make to me it's like whatever makes you a good person. All for it. Right. So once they start a- attacking gay people, then you're like, I'm not about this. That, that became
2: a big core. What we have in, in the kind of post-Mormon movement is what we call the shelf. You have this shelf that you sort of store doubts on, and then you have something that breaks that shelf. And for me, what broke the shelf was was um, that, that sort of thing that I felt like was... It was unfair and it was hateful. Mm-hmm. I don't think the people meant it to be. I really don't. Because I at one point, I was of the same mindset because that's what I'd grown up with. I didn't think that gay marriage was a thing that should be done. And then I got to know gay people. And I was like, they're just people. You can take the word gay off the front. They're just people. And they're looking for the same things we are. They're looking for love. They're looking for companionship. And, and uh, you know, the... That, that whole feeling the feeling of inclusion and, and being with someone else and why who am I to limit them and 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 then I stopped buying the rhetoric that somehow them being married redefined what my marriage was I don't right. I don't know why I ever bought that but at some point I go that doesn't they don't affect me they don't what they do isn't affecting the way that I live my life and I shouldn't be affecting that the way the way that they live their lives right. not in any negative way right. Um, and, and
1: what happened to the golden rule of just love your neighbor as yourself which is the jesus like if you're really following the teaching of jesus like he never mentioned abortion he never mentioned you know like they find these little one-line mm-hmm. things they're like well no no right here and it's like they they don't focus on the over like i think the overall message of any religion is to love everyone this it and, and not judge other people and it's like and no religion does that. <laughs>
2: I agree. The core, the core theology of um, you know, if you're following the teachings of uh, the dude named Christ, uh, right. is is to take care of people and right. to not judge mm-hmm. and and all of those sorts of things. And I think that most, if not all, you know, organized religions, in my opinion, uh, fall short of that goal. Um, that's why I don't really kind of tie myself to any sort of religious uh, philosophy at this point other than just trying to be a good person right
0: which is why we want you to join our cult I,
2: right. i'm in see how quickly i'm so impressionable too like i'm in Is <laughs> it called
1: clark is there cool clarkism oh, yes
2: like uh um, um
1: but yeah it was it was interesting that uh that was what, what was your wife's reaction
2: to that because i my wife is remarkable she's really um she's a, a good person and she had grown up like hardcore uh in utah um when, we, when I left the church, I assumed I had had a vision of the other thing. Not a vision. That sounded religious. I had <laughs> mm-hmm. an image of what happens when you leave the church, and that is your marriage ends. Yeah, Because I had seen it in a lot of other people, and it was still kind of early on. The internet and, and support forums and things like that weren't that big. And so I just assumed that that meant I didn't want to be her black sheep. I didn't want to be this embarrassment to her with her family and so I kind of quickly progressed this idea of like I'm leaving the church and uh, you know we're gonna you know we're gonna get divorced and we got separated and and I kind of did everything so fast without taking her into account Uh, I just assumed this is how it was gonna go so we separated for four months and she really really fought hard going this is stupid we should work this out and talk about this and we were so good at organizing and talking about getting divorced and how we were treating things I was like we get along really well she's like yeah yeah And so we figured it out and got back together. And, um, so in terms of the answer to how she treats it is she's very respectful of who I am and, and lets me kind of be who I am and believe what I believe without it being a big issue for us. Um, it's always a little bit challenging to have like a mixed faith kind of a, uh, marriage in terms of raising your kids and everything too. Um, and they still go to church, um,
1: your kids and your wife, my kids
2: and my wife to, to varying degrees and levels. And, you know, um, uh i only talk about them uh if it's funny you know right so well your kids are into the dark arts no my they are, well, they're into the magic, the magic. I, they, <laughs> yeah yeah i do have <laughs> i have a magician uh i have a son who's a magician so he dabbles in the uh the mystical um uh, so you've lost him i've We're lost that intervention in the, dark. the funny thing is why my, do
0: us comics not like magicians
1: I like magicians. I, I think I think it's yeah. amazing. I'm.
0: I, 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 oh, I want to take that out. I don't want to sound like I don't like magicians.
2: No, that was off the record. That
1: was off the uh, re- off the record, you guys. Off, off the, the record.
2: record, Steph hates magicians. <laughs> um, I like good magicians, and I like I, I really like magicians who are actually pretty good comics. That's yeah, yeah. those are the ones I like that their patter is really. I'm like that was funny. Like that was legit funny. Even if you hadn't made something disappear right there, that was good.
1: Right. It's the same with comedians. Hacky comedians. Yes. that's are, true. It's
2: the uh, hacky magicians. There are a lot know. of hacky magicians. Yeah, there are a I lot think of I've seen comics all and of we them. see a lot of mm-hmm. you see a lot of hacky pokey Uh, magicians.
1: Have you ever gone to a? I went to uh, the comedy magic the magic castle and we went a magician took us and Uh sitting with a magician watching another magician is just like like he did like the ring the ring pull apart thing he's like he's like oh "Oh my god this thing and I'm like like, (laughs) just to sit next to a bitter magician during another (laughs) magician set it's kind of ruins it it's like oh this this is hacky yeah yeah Yeah." that's
2: exactly it's like going to the show and they're like "Uh, who's birthday is it i'm not gonna ask your age i'm not gonna ask your age how much do you weigh right right and you're like oh who doesn't do that bit right um but yeah
1: i have a friend uh ben Sidman, i think that's how you say his name but he's uh from milwaukee and he's does sleight of hand like he is uh he is amazing like and uh I, I don't know he's and he's pretty young so i i think eventually he's he's but he amazes me like the things that he does i'm like how the hell did you do that like that blows me away
2: honestly my son same thing um he's a member he's a junior member at the magic castle Uh so it's not like something he just you know has one of the toys R us kits like he's into it like that's what he spends a lot of his time doing and i make jokes about it on stage but the reality is i'm super impressed with it like i'm blown away when he does tricks i'm like oh like do it again and he's like i'm not gonna do it again because you'll figure it out i'm like yeah yeah i want to figure it out it's really good and he works at it super super hard um, the fun thing is I've had a couple of opportunities to do shows with him. Um, oh, wow. cool. like one night when Randy had me host, uh, JR's, where it is now at Mimi's in Valencia, uh, or he, he asked me to run it. I go, well, here's the thing. You don't have, you don't have a, a headliner. I go, let me just headline. I'll have Liam host. I'll run the room that oh, night, wow. but I'll have Liam host it. And so that's what he did. And so I got to have Liam Right. do magic host the cool. show he was more scared about hosting than he was about magic he's like i don't know how to bring everybody else up i'm like you pretty much just say their names right um and so I think- i've got to do that a couple of times with him and then there's a show in, in new hall called 10 by 10 at their little theater there it's like variety show and so it's magicians storytellers musicians um comics that i do and, and liam does that show uh, as well and so we've done that a few times together it's fun yeah, that's awesome.
1: You're like uh, almost the inverse of Nate Bargatze's dad as right, a clown.
2: Right. <laughs> I, I was just watching uh, the Nate Bargatze uh, special. Is he a clown or mag- magician? Ma- he's magician. a clown. Oh, he was—he's a clown that was a magician. I'm trying to remember what the—he he
1: was a clown initially. Yeah, now I think he's a magician because yeah, he, he went to the magician uh,
2: convention he, and he the, appeared out of the box. He yeah, is, is like, on, oh, who so is fun. this guy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I just watched that uh, this so weekend. Funny. It is great. He makes me laugh a lot. He's uh,
1: he's funny. Like he, when I first uh, when I moved to L.A., I came back and a friend of mine taught a comedy class, and apparently Nate was in this comedy class, and I had spoken to him about how to make it in showbiz, <laughs> and uh, Nate took my oh, advice. Oh, good job! Yeah, <laughs> and Nate uh, was very. But you know, it's like, uh, but you just. I remember I ran into Nate at a TV tape, and he's like, oh, "Hey, I met you at Jim. Uh, this guy, Jim Ross, comedy class." I was like. What like who are like I just was so surprised to run into this this guy that had took taken a comedy class and and uh, oh what was that my phone oh okay it's fine <laughs> I thought there was you've jangled
2: all your stuff perilously so that at various times during the show it just drops yeah,
1: on the floor off record yeah off re- off the record off the record but uh but yeah Nate was uh Nate's just an amazing comic and boy oh boy I. I if they can find a vehicle for him. I mean, I don't know. I mean, he's a great stand-up. I don't know why he needs a vehicle, but
2: uh, I, I got to do a, um, I, got, there was a, a showcase show in Nashville at, uh, Zaney's that when we were doing a, a motorhome trip around the country, I reached out to whoever was running it. Uh, uh Jim Broussard, I think is his name. And, uh, uh, he put me on the show and it was just like this potluck type show where they drew names out of hat, uh, if you weren't assigned. And then Nate drops in and I was just like, you know, I was just blown wow. away. I was like, I get to watch. He's on, I'm on the show with Nate Bargatze, and just watching what he did and how far above it was, like the rest of you know, yeah the show. And it was just, it was just so. His observations to me are just, he just looks at things such a different way, which is the key to doing observational right. humor. So you're not attacking it from the same way.
1: Yeah, and he's so nice too. Like I. I knew he was coming. He was coming to Irvine and Steph wanted to go see him. I was like, I'll hit him up. And I emailed him. He's like, yeah, for sure. Coming out. And then I remember the night of. I was like, "Hey, we're here. Thanks so much for getting us tickets." He's like, "You want to do a guest set?" And I was like, "Okay." Like, so I did a five minute guest set at the Irvine Improv. But it's like, you know, uh, he doesn't have an ego. It's, yeah, it's, thoughtful it's,
0: like Jeff.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's very thoughtful. Good like, transition, right? Good Transition. Yeah. Let's talk about Jeff's thoughtfulness.
2: Um, did you
0: ever take a comedy class, or you know, I did. I, oh, did you? Okay, I
2: took a comedy class from. Um, um, uh, Ed Galvez at um, Oh at Westside. West yeah, uh, yeah. So I took my comedy class at Westside and I've been desperately trying to get back into Westside ever since. <laughs> 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 no, I did um, I did the the uh, Nicole Blaine show, The Virgin oh, Sacrifice yeah. Nicole's show. Great. Oh wow uh I loved that show. Um, I think that's a really clever uh, oh, yeah. A show. oh, yeah, for Oh, yeah. The That's idea great. of
1: the Virgin Sacrifice is it's literally a comedian's first time doing up. not even a comedian, like just a normal like, person. Great. Right. Like and all of their co-workers come out and watch them
0: real, real audience
1: <laughs> like Virgin Sacrifice. Yeah, and... she,
2: she'll she she'll take this person that maybe, you, you know, that that person who will say, I kind of want to do stand up and she'll go, OK, I got a venue for you. I'm going to work with you for like yes, a month right. she, or like, something to them. help. I'm going to help you write. I'm going to work you th- through your set. And we're going to go through. And you're going to invite all your friends to come out and see this. So you get new people out to the club. And then she puts other comics on throughout the night as well leading up to this. Right. Like all and it's, pros. And you got to follow like pretty like big yeah.
1: Like now, yeah, big names. She, gets some, and, she great names get, yeah. some great names. Some great names. I've done the show, and I'm a great name. And uh, <laughs> but but yeah, it's like that's that's it makes it even harder. Now you're following like five headliners, and yeah. now you who just started. But yeah, yeah. The crowd is super supportive, and, and it's yeah, a fun it's a, show.
2: I, I yeah, it's one of those where you look at it and you go, "What a genius idea!" Yeah, uh, totally. I really, uh, so I I did my class there, um, and I did the class. It was one of those things where I kind of did the class because I'd always wanted to do comedy. From the time I was in high school, I always wanted to do comedy. I just never did it. And I think being Mormon had something to do with it. I think it didn't feel sort of right in it, that. It mix. feels yeah. selfish. That's, I, that's how both I felt of you guys as a Catholic. The same thing.
1: It felt selfish to do something that brought pleasure to my life because it's yeah. like. I don't know how Mormon,
2: but Catholic's are all about sacrifice and all about
1: and
0: guilt. Guilt, yeah, yeah.
2: And I think it was that, but it was also um, the environment of a comedy club wow. was maybe uh. not as sort of wholesome as what uh, <laughs> you know what Mormons are supposed to be doing. So I got a, when I would talk to people about it, I would get a lot of that sort of the look of like, oh, I don't know that that's really that's light mindedness, you know, that sort right. of feeling and so um i up. yeah, yeah.
1: And now they have a whole uh, yeah, now drive like a drive comedy, yeah which yeah. is like totally built like it's like we're basing on our, our economy on comedy. Right. i have a
0: question so there's being mormon and then there's that show i watch on i think it's lifetime or a and e escaping uh, escaping polygamy, polygamy. Okay. where it's like they're all married to that one dude who's okay. in prison now who's I like
2: warren jeff's and they're trying yes. to and then there's yes. like a group
1: of people that tries to Get them out, and so uh,
0: they're even more hardcore. Like I know they're fundamentalists.
2: What that is, and that's where I kind of stumbled into information for the first time was there was a book written by. Uh, John Krakauer. So um, John Krakauer was an author I really, really liked already, and I trusted him. He's the one who wrote like Into Thin Air about the Everest uh, expedition where everybody uh, died during that storm. He was on that expedition. He wrote um, Into the Wild about the, uh, oh, wow. the, the movie that they made. Uh, the guy up in Alaska. The guy up who? in Alaska that wandered into the wild and ended up uh, dying. Um, and he had a book called Under the Banner of Heaven and I just read all of John Krakauer's books and so to me it didn't feel like a dangerous source and this Under the Banner of Heaven was sort of about that it was about um, these um, polygamist uh, fundamentalist uh, Mormons so there were Mormons that at some point felt like the church got really off the path that it was originally supposed to be Holding to which was polygamy and things like blood oaths. If people offended you, you were supposed to, you know, make them pay with blood and and that sort of thing. Some real out there stuff. Yeah. And so these two brother in laws, um, they ended up murdering their sister in law and her child because, she, I, I think the issue was she was trying to take their brother away from the family, essentially. But it was all done under this idea of blood atonement. But getting into this book, it started writing about all of these things about Mormonism that I didn't even know at one point even existed. And so it, it cracked the door to that, which was these offshoot sects were, um, were all based on philosophies and things that had started within Mormonism for sure. And then at some point... The Mormon church is like, hey, guys, we need to clean this up a little bit. This is, uh, first of all, polygamy. The government's saying that they'll seize all of our assets if as we continue right. to right. practice polygamy. So we're going to stop that. Um, or we're going to say we're going to stop it and not really stop it for a while. Um, and so that's who those people are. And there's a lot of, like, real victims in that Oh, culture. yeah. It's um, some it's
0: crazy stuff. That's
2: something that really bothered me when I got into it, too, because... The, there's a lot of victimization in terms of like underage marriage and, mm-hmm. and abuse that all ties back to these things that Joseph Smith created. And so that was troubling to me, to say the least. But, but they were different on a day-to-day basis than Mormons were. And Mormons are very careful to sort of separate themselves. But okay. it's definitely a part of the family tree that they can't quite get away from either.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were in uh, shows are nuts. We were in Wisconsin last, uh this weekend, and Ugh. and <laughs> Stephanie saw a woman with a bonnet, and the guy was wearing like a brimmed hat. Uh-huh. And it, and Stephanie goes, "Oh, check out those pilgrims!" <laughs> I'm like, uh, "Those are pilgrims. Those are well, me- Amish, They're, Amish, or, uh, or Mennonite." Yeah. yeah, Mennonite. I, <laughs> I love she called them pilgrims. I was like, I, that's 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 yeah. great. <laughs> i love to see pilgrims make a comeback. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> Got the big buckle hat. Right, it's uh, a it's a it's a whole movement. They were it's like it's on a... their
0: honeymoon.
1: Right, right. They were riding the ducks. Oh, they look
0: and... like little babies. Yeah, oh,
2: they were riding God. the
1: ducks. Uh, I was kind. Of oh, the the duck boat. Duck boat. Okay, yeah, yeah. They go on land, Yeah, I, I know what you're Lord.
2: talking about now. I just yeah. quickly, I had a quick image of them riding their ducks into town. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> well, you know understand. that about Mennonites? I don't they, uh, know how you travel
1: by duck as it was presented by the Lord. Right. That's travel. part of their room springer. <laughs> right.
2: Right. They're when they get really crazy. Yeah. Go out into the oh, world. yeah. Rooms is yeah. like spring break. For, yeah, uh, yeah. There yeah. they
1: get to, go to get away from more. In between juvenile or, uh, and yeah, Amish, Amish life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I um, one thing when we worked at. Uh, Valencia yeah so Jeff was always working on new material and uh, so one night Jeff went up and he had talked about the recent death of his brother and uh, yeah and it was very ballsy to, to bring it up and also not <laughs> too long after
2: it was well, so here's the story with that is um, that was the week after so uh, on a Friday night the Friday before Mother's Day about five years ago uh, I got the call. My brother had had killed himself, and my brother always had a lot of problems—drug and alcohol problems—his whole life. From the time he was, you know, twelve on something oh like that, gosh. it was always a a sort of a bad issue. He was three years younger than me, so he was, uh, I think, about thirty-seven when he died. So that was Friday night, and I had taken the Friday night off from JR's to go to my son's uh, opening night of his play. He was doing *To Kill a Mockingbird*, and so I, I had to go sit through that, and just my head was in this fog. And mm. I remember calling Diana um and telling her about that and she goes oh well we'll cover for you tomorrow night at jr's and i was like no like i i don't know what else to do like yeah. i can't like my brother and i weren't close but it still shook me in a way that i wasn't really prepared for and so i um i Can just I, got up on stage it was i think paul ogata it's the only time i ever met paul and so yeah right. I, I don't know if he's gonna he would remember it or he'd be like that guy i think paul ogata was the headliner and i just I didn't really plan on talking about it, honestly. I plan on just doing a set. And then I got up there and I just, like, I don't know what else to talk about. I've got this thing on my mind. And so I did a couple of jokes that sort of just sprang to mind. Um, and the crowd laughed and they were really sort of kind about it. It was not the kind of thing you'd want to do all the time. Um, you know, I thought they were relatively funny but they were definitely dark um but it was really just this emotional catharsis i had no idea how else to sort of talk about it and i think you were there the next week mm-hmm. and i went up and i think i had warned uh, tony d'amco was featuring and i think i had told him i go hey i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about my my brother just died he's like okay no problem and i had forgot <laughs> go for to, it. It. i didn't have that conversation with you <laughs> what's and, he gonna say like right. i have a lot of suicide
1: bits <laughs> right, i'm gonna right. do so again i you know, <laughs>
2: i've been doing it um i think probably two years at that point so i i You know, I think now I probably wouldn't have made the same decision, but at the time it was just all I could think to do. It was all that was on my mind. And so I go up and I do that. And again, the crowd's really kind and they're laughing, but they're also very warm. And and it was, uh, and then I I talked to you about it afterward. I remember I go, um, I was like, hey, I really probably shouldn't, I either shouldn't have done it or, or no, I go, I shouldn't, I should have talked to you before I did that. And you go, yeah, I I wouldn't open with that a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And I go, I know. And that was literally the last time I think I did it at a, I've done it a couple of times at an open mic, uh, you know, in right. a that, kind of sense where it didn't matter. That's but. sort of the beauty of being. You
1: shouldn't block Jeff. A, all right, Jeff, bring back the suicide. No, stuff. no, I
2: didn't. <laughs> I didn't intend to. The funny thing is, you said that to me, and you were telling me something I already knew. Like I didn't. I, I hadn't planned on. I just knew I needed to. It was kind therapy. Of, it was for therapy, you. and, and yeah. I mean, so much of what I've done in comedy has been therapy. I guess um, this was just the rawest form of it. Uh, I've talked about a lot of other things where if I have something really shitty that happens to me, um, instead of thinking about it in those terms anymore, like I had a really like just lousy woman at um, True Religion who was so rude to me when I walked into their store one time? Like just so rude as just looking at me like, oh, here's a fat person who can't afford our jeans. That's kind of what she said out loud. She's like, I don't think we have your size. I had, oh my god, and I do a bit. Oh yeah, I do a bit, bit about it. Yeah. I do, I, you know, I don't think we have your size. And I was, I was like, that's kind of hurtful. I'm like you don't even know what size I am, and. And turns out they didn't have my size. <laughs> She's really good at guessing. Uh, but and, you, that's um, like your
0: Julia Roberts moment.
2: Yeah, it was. And I've built a lot of my life on that slights. Like if people doubt me, that's kind of when I go, oh, yeah, well, I'll show you. That's I've done that a lot. And mm-hmm. so I had that moment with her. And then she goes, then she says, our jeans are really expensive. <gasps> and I, I was like, okay, screw you. I'm going to try on your jeans. And I ended up buying two pairs of jeans that didn't fit. <laughs> they were too, They size yeah. on principle. On <laughs> principle. And then I had to go. I Maybe had that's to,
0: her sales tactic.
1: Yeah. Right. And
2: I had to go return them. Like I, I I remember walking in and out of the, I think it was the Fashion Square mall at the time. And I remember walking in and out of that stupid mall for three days with $600 <laughs> worth of jeans in, my, in this bag. And she was there every day. And finally on the fourth day, I managed to hit the day she wasn't there so I could return them. I wasn't going to return them when she right, was there. Right. But they didn't fit. And I had, uh, you know, I, I had these jeans in my car for three days. And I was like, I was scared of where I parked. I didn't want to, right. you know, I didn't want to get them stolen. <laughs> like plutonium in your But back. I wasn't going to take yeah. them in the house and have my wife see that I bought $600 worth of jeans that didn't fit. That seemed really stupid. And... Um, so I took that experience, and that's an experience that I think at different points in life would have really bothered me. It yeah. would have, it would it would have felt like more hurtful, and I was like, I'm gonna make a joke out of it. That's that's yeah. the beauty I think of being a comic. Yeah, yeah and I think I've watched you hone that bit over the yeah.
1: years. It's like that was something I think you were developing when I first met yep. you, and it's really. Become like this great. And I've got piece. some great
2: tags from people, and, yeah. and then I'll get tired of the bit and I won't do it for a while because it's kind of a long bit. And then I'll break it back out and I'll be like, that's I remember why I like doing it because it's fun and it's cathartic and it reminds me of like when people are shitty to you as a comic, you can kind of just look at it differently and go, right, 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 what can I do with this? Yeah. And I, I wanted to bring up
1: too, like, because it is a great story, and I know that, and I don't know if you want to talk about it, but you produced a, a documentary about Burt Kreischer. Uh huh. Um and uh I, I felt like there are elements of, of Bert's influence definitely I feel like come across in, in your act, the way you control the stage, the way you tell a story.
2: Charismatic. Yeah. Yeah. And see that's the thing. I get that quite a bit. And I get it enough to where like sometimes it's uncomfortable because I get how true it is. So I don't know where the chicken or the egg lies with that a little bit. Um right. it's tricky for me because um I didn't tell Bert when we first started that documentary that I had started classes to be a comic. And uh, so about five months into filming, I go, hey, do you want to see my, can I show you my showcase uh, (laughs) set? And he's like, you're doing comedy? I was like, yeah, yeah. He goes, what, you just... You just watch me and it just looks really easy? Or and I was like, no, I was like, no, that's not it at all. I go, I wanted to be a comic before we started this. That's why I was interested in this. I love this.
0: that he thought it had to do it. With
2: was Right. Yeah. I was like, this you know, is my, hard. My chest is pounding, you know, and I was like, no, it's not that at all. I just love comedy and I've always wanted to do that. And so I remember I got him to watch my showcase set and, um, he goes, you have a lot of stage presence, which he even there's a funny thing in our doc. He talks about someone else telling him that at the first point when he was doing comedy. He goes, that's code for um, your material sucks, but you look right on stage. <laughs> yeah. And I and I kind of knew that about myself at that point anyway. So I took that kind of compliment and ran with it. Um so I don't know if I was drawn to doing the documentary about Burt because I saw characteristics in him that I thought were familiar when I watched him on stage in terms of – I like that energy and I like – I already knew I was a storyteller. That's something I enjoy. So I don't know if it came from that or if I've been influenced by him in terms of how I found my voice. I'm not 100% sure. I just know I get that, that, I get that compliment a lot and it always makes me kind of go I, I
1: mean i'm the same way. i get norm mcdonald all the okay. time and yeah. it's like it is frustrating because i feel like people are trying to figure out like why why Who do I, are, I
0: compare this to?
1: Or well, why are you good? Why are you good at this? It's like you, a shortcut. Oh, you, yeah. you're Norm Macdonald. You're doing Norm Macdonald. It's like it's like no, I just talk the way I talk, and it just happens to sound like Norm Macdonald. And McDonald. and
0: also too though, like you, we like Norm. Like we went yeah. to a show, yeah. and you like Bert. You wanted to work yeah. with him. So we comedy subjective, and we. Are, gravitate towards those people that maybe reflect on who we are a little bit. And, and for right.
1: me, it, my influence is Steve Martin. It's like, I'm trying to sound like Steve Martin up there, but... Because of my delivery, it sounds like Norm Macdonald, and I, I never really watched Norm Macdonald until people told me you yeah. sound like Norm Macdonald. And I was like, oh, I get it. Okay. I think
2: it's kind of natural. That's what we tend to do. We we try and describe everything in ways of like how do how do I tell you about Tom Clark? You know, right. oh, I saw this guy, Tom Clark. He's really funny. Um, kind of like Norm Macdonald, or right. it it's like, what does it taste like? Tastes like chicken. We we have these things right. that we right. try to to. To describe things based on some sort of a common experience, yeah. and so we that do the it other person can relate to. It. Shows. Yeah, we it's do it everything. Yeah, we're trying to tell someone else in a way that's relatable.
1: Yeah, there's a story about uh, Bob Dylan that I remember he hated Neil Young because he felt like Neil Young took his bit of like, hey, I play harmonica and Uh guitar and I'm the folk singer. And it's like, but you would never think like, oh, Neil Young and and Bob Dylan are the same. You know, it's like they they found their own way of doing it. I I think sometimes comedians get so caught up in wanting to be, I want to be the most original that it's okay to have influences. I watched Kyle Kinane develop over the years and I remember him sounding like Hedberg sounding like this guy Dwayne Kennedy and then it eventually became his own thing and uh, you know I think that's you have to have influences in order to get better
2: I think so too Um, and someday I'll be less sheepish about it I think that the dynamics of the way that the the documentary hasn't really kind of gotten out there make it a little trickier for me at this point to sort of be at peace with the number of people that compare me to Bert. Um, the fact is it's a really it's a compliment as long as people don't go, oh it looks like you're ripping off his bits. Uh, because I am I, I definitely could see an influence from him. I'm not taking my shirt off when i go on stage uh you're welcome you're welcome by the way and, that,
1: uh, and that's the beauty of Bert is like nobody can steal that nobody no. can take off their shirt and be like i'm not doing Bert crusher it's like yes no, so you've no, you're removed doing Bert your Kreischer. shirt
2: yeah um but we both talk about our kids we both tell stories we're both you know loud and gregarious um you know, I drink way less than he does, so I don't have as many drinking stories. Um, I couldn't handle the same. I oh tried to God. drink with him a little bit during during the documentary, and it was like, oh, I cannot keep up. I will kill myself. Yeah, uh, I will wind up not waking up in the morning if I try and keep up. Um, I
1: worked with him in Cape Town. We were in South Africa together, and yeah. uh, I remember I did his podcast, and his wife was like, "That was a bad time for Bert." Like yeah. that was like where yeah. he was. Like we had to like talk to him because he yeah. was getting. Yeah, he he partied very hard, and yeah, I couldn't keep up.
2: Yeah, so I'm I think someday I'll be okay with with that of that. I've I inf- I think that he's an influence. The funny thing is, some of the people that I find um, that I'm really drawn to as comics are so far from myself, and maybe that's on purpose. My favorite comic is probably Emo Phillips. I love oh, Emo wow. Phillips. Uh, Stephen Wright is very very close to that. I when I was in high school, I memorized E equals Emos. Squared and right? oh, I am memorized, memorized. I have a pony, and I would do those at home, like I do them in front of the mirror. And then I would get asked to do. In high school, I get asked to like MC the Daffodil Princess Festival, and I would do their bits. <laughs> I would just that
1: like doesn't get more Mormon than that. Well, that, that was high school. <laughs> oh. that's,
2: just, that's just a, a Washington, a of oh, yeah. Washington thing. Um, and uh, I would do their bits, and people would be like, "That's funny," but I feel like I've heard that before. I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, that's that's Emo Phillips or that's yeah. uh, Stephen Wright." I was like, I was like a, a comedy cover band or something. I didn't right. know any different at that point. Also, the fact that I shouldn't be doing their bits because their their voices are so unique right. um that I'm nothing like him. Or or even now the way that I'm really drawn to watching like Nate Bargatze. Right. But I think that's why I'm also still drawn to watching those types because I, I don't feel like I'm likely to accidentally, you know, slip into them either. I'm not going to start talking like Nate. That's not my fit. I'm high energy and
1: But there's going to be an influence of like, oh I love the way he finds the, the wording. I love and, the way he writes. I love yeah. the
2: you know, the way he'll put a sentence together or the way... I think the thing I can learn from Nate is how do I look at a situation? And it's like the... it's the Hearing him talk about the dead horse Mm -hmm. in his special, Mm -hmm. I was like, that's it's just so genius to me about the way that he perceived it all the way along. And then he gets away from it and then he comes comes back back to it. Right, right. Which was another thing. It was a very patient thing, um, the way that he goes away from the bit and he comes back to it as they're driving back. And I was like, (laughs) that's a good reminder to sometimes patient with a bit and right. and allow it to kind of breathe in that way or come back to it um, those callbacks and
1: yeah that's what I teach stand-up I try to remind people it's like every sentence every word is a you know opportunity to to explore it's right. like as opposed to like when you're starting out in comedy, you're in such a hurry to get to this great story that has a punchline of, a, and then I shit my pants. You know, it's like... <laughs> Which is mm-hmm. I have a couple such a bit. good <laughs> I have a couple punchline, of yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, it's the stuff... It's not... It's not the, the joke is the stuff leading up to the way and wh- the other people's perspectives on it and mm-hmm. looking at it from different points of view, and that's a hard thing to understand when you're starting out in stand-up, and few people possess that early on. Yeah.
0: Oh, I wouldn't... If I had to start stand-up i wouldn't you know what <laughs> just, i mean just wouldn't. Just like, I was like, oh, it's like if i had so to give many...
2: advice to anybody starting stand-up now i'd be like don't don't do it don't do it um but that's why i really avoid now um i, I can't watch brian regan he, he, that was somebody that was one yeah. of my favorites growing up um as well but i if i watch him at all I, the cadence starts jumping into my just my daily speech let alone my stage cadence. Yeah. I remember watching uh, one of his specials and I got up at Marie Calendar's that night and I was delivering my jokes in that cadence. I was like I can't do that anymore. Right. It just sticks in my head in a way that I was a, I was really afraid of um him and uh, Jim Gaffigan is also uh, Yeah. just cuz of the things he talks about and the way that he talks about things it's just uh, it, the perspective It's, similar is, thinking. it's and, too yeah, it's too similar to me. I'm afraid of hearing it and letting it inception itself.
1: Yeah, and if you work with a comic for a weekend or something like that, you'll like I'll start watching. Sometimes the MC and feature like yeah. well, I think that's he's doing some of my stuff, like I, I guess some of my cadences or whatever, or like even like the audience crowd work stuff. Like,
0: and it's not. I don't think it's anyone's fault. I think we just naturally do that if we hang out with people right, too like you know best friends you start noticing right. oh they sound similar well yeah.
2: it's like uh when I go places um or I'm around people I start talking in their accent um yeah. I do, I do and that too Sp- Spencer James does a bit about that that's super super funny but I was just uh, I just had this experience that's like that of uh, I was working with uh, Flip Schultz uh and Rondell Sheridan and, um, so Flip and I were backstage, we were talking about one of his bits and he talks about a, a bit where he is dating and he's, the girl's like, do you like Cardi B? And he's like, I don't even like cardio. And, and he kept talking it through and was asking me questions about it. And it got, somehow the phrasing got in my head. And I got out on stage. And I did the normal bit I do about having grown up Mormon. It was like the Mormon church at 19 was like, Hey buddy we want to send you halfway around the world stick you on a bike in a suit and have you tell people about Jesus what do you think about that and I was like what do I think about that I think I'm going to get married I I don't even like cardio and I was like where did that come from I've never said that (laughs) I've never said that but immediately talking about the bike all of a sudden I go, I don't even like cardio. And I go, and while I'm on stage, I was like, "That I just did his line. I just did Flip's line. Uh And I went backstage and he goes, it's not that close. You're fine. But it's that feeling of like that conversation. Right. Right. And then you go on stage and you're kind of in the moment and it just finds its its way in.
1: And it's the rhythm of the words. Mm -hmm. I think it's the other thing. It's comedy. is poetry. Comedy is is a rhythm. And it's like cardio. You know, it's just like, it's just, that's funny. Cardio is just a funny word. Yep. And, uh. And yeah, you find that stuff. Um, let's see. One other thing uh, I wanted to talk about. This was something that we talked about. Uh, you did our show, stuff show. Not, I'm not no way involved. Um, you
0: don't want to be involved because you don't want people messaging just you just
1: in case there's a lawsuit. <laughs> I um, no, but uh, that show
2: could have had a lawsuit. Oh my no. God, yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we did a show at the Six in Calabasas, and the Housewives of Calabasas showed up in full throat. Uh, and I wasn't there,, to yeah, I wasn't yeah, she wasn't there to, to g-
0: take out my whip,
1: yeah. And they were so obnoxious. And like, it was one of those things of, like, the hot girls in in high school, where you're like, "Hey, you guys gotta be quiet. like." I felt like the hall monitor. like, like yeah. "Shut up, nerd!" Yeah, and they're uh, like,
0: "Go w- get me a Lacroix." Yeah. yeah,
1: they're like, "We weren't even talking." I'm like, "I'm watching you talk," like, and it's like, "You're <laughs> so can... dumb. You have such low self-esteem." You're like, yeah, I guess I didn't see you talking. You know? <laughs> yeah, and they were just so obnoxious during the show, and we
2: had a great... here's a tip to audiences. If you're going out for your birthday to a comedy club, it should be because you like comedy and you would like to laugh with your friends, not because you would like to conduct a birthday party while someone else is talking. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? That's Those are two separate things. And the funny thing is about that situation is it, it always seems like... Neither party in that situation is happy. Right. Like the birthday party is upset because they're being interrupted by a comedy show, even though they've gone to one on purpose. Right? They're upset that their that their frivolities are being interrupted by people telling them to shush, and not just you. The whole. Right, right side of the room. Oh,
1: they almost got no fight with your mom's group. Either. Yeah, yeah, well, that's <laughs> mom's group. That's a fight group. Shushing them, and then they're like, "What you saying?" Like, shut up! And they're like, "I was like, take it easy, ladies." Yeah, like, it was getting my, ugly. My favorite
0: was when Jackie Fabulous said, "Because <laughs> my mom has her group of se- senior something. ladies, like silver Who foxes, by the way. beautiful right. women, and then this this younger group. You know what?" 30s 40s mm-hmm. and then she's like um, you're the ghost of pussy's <laughs>
1: Pussy past. Pussy's <laughs> past to
0: my mom's group, and you're the ghost of pussy's future. Right. I don't know what that has to do with anything, but it was so funny.
1: Well, the thing I loved at the end of the show, they they had a birthday cake, and Jeff's like, well, I think we deserve reparations. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Jeff got cake for they, all of us. Yeah, they ordered, they ordered those. It was pretty good. It was like it a was banana very cream good banana cake
2: or something. And I was like, I'm pretty sure we've earned at least a slice of whatever that is. I'm not going <laughs> to order it on my own, but – I'll take it if they'll give it to me. So I just asked. Yep. I was like, "Can we? Can we have some? Kind of with the tone of like, you kind of screwed up our thing. Can we have a piece right. of yours?" Um, yeah, worth it. it. Was, totally worth yeah, totally it. Inter- worth it. Interrupting so. the show. Um, but but
1: at the show we were talking about something interesting, which was uh, previously on this podcast we had Matthew Gossett on, and he talked about how Richard Dreyfuss might be
2: his dad yeah. and
1: it's a great episode check it out uh, but jeff also has a similar story is yeah right?
2: i'm a rescue as well um i <laughs> guess this is that is that the segue yeah um so when my brother died um so, so it was that it was mother's day to i guess new year's day so new year's day i made one of those like this of, This past New year's no day. no the the one the one after my like brother yeah like four years, years ago four, okay. five years ago he died And something like four and a half years ago or something, I made this New Year's Day post. You know, the kind of self-indulgent Facebook, like, you know, I'd had a really good year. But I was sort of struggling with it. Like, a lot of things in my life were really good that year. And so I kind of had posted that. I was really grateful for the year I had, but it was tough to sort of – I'm an oversharer on someone like Facebook anyway. And I was like, it was tough to sort of reconcile it with um, what my brother had done and trying to understand – You know, how he could have been at that low of point and what else could I have done? So I posted this and just put it out in the world and like a couple hours later, I get um, an email from like a distant relative essentially um, saying, well, I read your post, but the thing you should know is that um, you're not going to necessarily understand everything your brother did because – um, he's really your half brother. Like nobody's telling you in the family that you, your dad is is not who you think it is. The guy that you think is your dad is not your dad. Oh my gosh! I got an, is an email, and I, I was like, oh, that is. <laughs> How nuts. about like a phone call? Right. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Take was like, care. Love bye. your uh, love your uh, comedy. Yeah. Right, and so. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I showed my wife, and she's like, "No, there's no way that's true. Your family is really kind of loud and outgoing, and there's no way they would have kept a secret for what is 40 years." Yeah. And then we started kind of mulling it over, and I had never sort of um, I'd always thought my brother was a clone of our dad, like direct clone, and I was, you know, I was like, "Well, that means I'm just, you know, my mom's family," and uh, because I didn't share anything in common with his family, and. So suddenly it started to kind of make sense of like, I wonder, that could be true. There are always these little nagging things. And so I called my aunt and I was like, Is this true? And she's like, I can't tell you. I was like, Well, that's okay. That's a <laughs> <you> no <know, laughs> comment equals comment. Right. And and so I finally I, I sort of made her kind of fess up a little bit. And then I called my mom and and talked to her about it and she kinda of spilled the whole story that uh, in fact she had gone over to Germany um, to with someone who was in the military. She'd gone over with the intention of getting married and, and uh, uh, had gotten pregnant, and they broke up. It just didn't work out for various reasons. And so she came home and had me. Um, she was supposed to go away to, like, a mother's home, a young wed mother's home, and have me and give me up for adoption. And they'd, they'd be like, she was doing study abroad or something like that in 74, right. you know, because uh, 74, bastard, I think, was a pretty big title. <laughs> like, you didn't want to yeah. tag a kid with that. And um, so I, um, she ended up not being able to give me up, kept me, but she never told me about my dad. And uh, so I finally got the information out of her um, and I asked her, I was like, would you have ever told me this? If I hadn't, she goes, nope, I never would have told you. Wow. I was like, okay. And so. What's
1: that like to, to. Get
2: that information, like
1: to find out. Like I, I can't imagine. Like, do you feel like it? Like, not to be, but I mean, does it feel like everything's a lie? Or, it does are, very yeah. much.
2: That's exactly the way I felt. It's very disorienting. It. It was because I wasn't super close to you know what I thought was my dad. Like I had worked hard to sort of reestablish a relationship. They, my parents got divorced when I was five. Oh, okay. And um, he had moved away, and I worked to kind of reestablish a relationship with he and his wife and the stepkids um, to try to have some sort of family, you know, you know, bond and connection. But I had had to work pretty hard at it, you know, over the years. Um, And so all of a sudden it just starts, all these emotions flood in of like, you know, everything is a lie. And I had already gone through the, the Mormon um, experience of already feeling like I'd been lied to a lot about things in, in that uh, past as well. So I was really averse to lies at that point, it really bothered me. Right. Um, the idea that you're your it felt like a, like a uh was the name? the born, you know. Born identity. Yeah, the born identity kind of stuff where it's like your identity is not the things that happened to me all those years happened but it's all based on sort of a start point that didn't that wasn't well, it's, real.
1: It's like in The Usual Suspects where yeah. he looks at that cork board and he's like, yeah. wait a minute, that, that? like yeah. it
2: felt like that. Yeah. It felt like I was starting to piece things together. There's weird things like um, I've always had a really, really strong tie to my mom's family name, which is Frame. That's, her, that's my grandpa's last name. And I was always sort of upset that my mom hadn't been born a boy because we didn't get to keep that name. That meant a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so when my mom got divorced, she married another guy um, when I was eight, and she had me get adopted from by him and change my name from Shepard to Johnson. No one asked me; they just did it. You know, they're right. like, "Ah, now you're now you have a new last name." I always had this tie to my grand my grandparents' name, and then I find out that was what I was born as. That was what was on my birth certificate.
1: You were Frame. I was a Frame.
2: Yeah. I was born Jeff Frame. Okay. And uh, so that was really upsetting to me too, because uh, I had wanted to change my name coming out of high school, and I didn't because uh, I thought it would hurt my mom's feelings and so oh wow. you feel kind of betrayed is what it comes down so to
0: the one so the guy who you thought was your dad for so long he just went along with it.
2: Yeah everybody or did. Like, and how everybody. closely
0: like when your mom met your your she, the guy who's not your dad
2: Yeah the step the first step dad was within a year I think after I was born I think
0: oh
1: wow
2: yeah I was maybe a year.
1: and so the brother that passed away he he was a half-brother. He's was, a shepherd. He's a
2: sh- he was a shepherd but he also got adopted as a Johnson. So we both got our names okay. changed. But he was um he was the son of um uh the guy that I thought was my dad, was a shepherd. Right. And um and my mom. So he's a half brother, which again, the logic of the family relative is not necessarily solid that we wouldn't have that connection we still have half of our genes or what they are. Right.
1: So
0: this relative that emailed you. Uh-huh.
2: But they, they just said, they said essentially that they just felt like it was wrong that people weren't telling me. And I really appreciated finally someone yeah. Yeah. Sp- yeah. speaking up. Even when you think about, I've got three kids and like medical history.
0: Exactly. Like if something happens, like, you, should, you have the right to know who your biological father is. I
2: have the right to do the with that information with I, uh, yeah, that I choose. Absolutely. And if she wanted to keep it from me as a kid or whatever, fine. But by the time I was an adult, I was really, I, I, I was i was just dumbfounded that she would not tell me as a grown-up yeah once i hit adulthood and was heading into marriage i think you you take someone aside and be like hey here's you know here's what you need to know
1: how much did that change like just genealogy wise or even the city wise did that change like was your was your father like like did you find out like oh i'm this father i had in Germany? was this, this, this. A Nazi? Yes, it a Nazi. I, a, yes, a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out my dad's a Nazi. I see why they didn't tell right, me. Right, right, right. <laughs> I know too I, that, much.
2: That was the first joke that I wrote about this. That's I went funny. up on stage to talk about it, and I go, I, I said, my dad, I found out my dad was in, in the army, It was in the military in Germany uh, when my mom went over there, and I told my dad, friend and he goes your dad was a nazi <laughs> and i was like uh i was born in 74 i don't think that they had a big um just the one guy was holding out right just the it. one it hold like, out for we, it we will win <laughs> um no so flash forward to now and l- 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 i just barely called my um uh birth father oh. what, do you, what do you call that my uh biological father yeah i just called him a, uh, two weeks ago yesterday, I think <gasps> wow. for the first time. So I've been stalking him on, you almost um, called him or you he did, I call did, him. I did. I did, did call, him. call him. So I've sat on this information for almost five years. Oh. And, and the reason is I didn't, I wasn't in a good spot to kind of know what to do with it. It's a lot to bring into your life right. too. And you kind of want to go, do I know enough about this person? Like what kind of chaos could I be bringing in? I've read good stories. I've read bad stories. Um, and so I all about
0: that research. He, yeah, I right. I was
2: looking stuff up, and I found him pretty quick um, based on the name and, and where he was from. And is and he st- is he still in Germany? No, he's uh, he's an American. Um, he no he's uh, he lives in Butte, Montana, which is very German. Wow, wow. There's no German ties to that. <laughs> um, so he's
1: a militia member, right, yeah, he's starting militia the Nazi member. party, in uh, uh yeah. <laughs>
2: So you never I, know I nowadays. sort of stocked them as much as I could on Facebook, but he doesn't have Facebook. His wife does, but hers is really locked down. And then one of his stepdaughters, <laughs> like you just can't see much. Right, There's no right. almost no posts. And one of his stepdaughters has a lot more stuff on there. So I discovered her first. So here's the here's the thing I went through. I saw I found her on there, and I'm just kind of watching, you know, just kind of observing. And about a year ago, she posts a picture with her sister and was like. And it was like, I'm so grateful for my sister. I was like, holy, I've got two sisters. Yeah. And then a week later, she's like, um, I'm really grateful. She posted a picture with my dad. She's like, I'm grateful for this this man who raised us as his own even though we weren't his real daughters. I was like, I have no like biological sisters. It's just right. the soap opera I'm right. going through on Facebook. <laughs> Nobody knows. Right. Yeah. And then like lesson but then, yeah, but I'm just learning you like a telenovela. You know. Right. It's like, whoa, what's going to happen next?" <laughs> and Let's... you're learning
0: about him through the her post saying like, "Oh, Very... wow, he seems like a good guy cuz yes. she seems to love this She's... her dad."
2: Yeah. And and so it's these little bits and pieces. And right. at one point I thought about hiring um, a private investigator and I and I just didn't. And so about 2 weeks ago she posts a picture with the other her sister and with a guy that she's like I'm so grateful on siblings day for these two my brother and sister and I was like I was looking at him and I clicked on his Facebook profile I looked at his picture more I was like he looks like my dad <laughs> I'm like I think that might be there might be some biological connection too and um and I was clicking on their Facebook a lot and I was like they look you know he's they live in Billings or Bozeman Montana and they've got like four girls and they travel and I was like that looks a lot like like my family in a lot of ways. And I was like, I, n- you know, now I had this quick urge to go, you know what, I'm just going to throw caution to the wind and I'm just going to start calling. So um, on a Monday afternoon, uh, the guy made the documentary with, me. he's like, you just got to, you got to call. And so I sat in this office and I started, I just started looking up the information I had and I called about 20 wrong numbers or, you know, disconnected wrong numbers. Right. I finally hit one that was his wife's cell phone and uh it was how'd you um, do that just just there was just like people search and you could find out only certain uh, a certain amount of information without paying extra for certain things (laughs) and so i didn't want to pay like (laughs) 19.99 a month to find these things out and so i finally found a number that was his and it was his his wife's number and i called it and I, I was like, hey, uh, can I speak to Rick? <laughs> I like the opening. Like, how do you, hey. what do you say? It's a boy. <laughs> it's a boy. You've got to do a bit yeah. like that. She goes, well, this is his wife's cell phone. I said, oh, okay. And I was like, oh, please don't ask me any questions because I don't know what to say to you. I don't even know what to say to him. And I, She goes, well, who is this? I said, well, this is Jeff Johnson. I'm just looking. I'm looking for Rick Rosa. And I probably shouldn't have said his full name, but, you know, whatever. Um damn uh, bill collector right well that's what i thought i thought i'm going to feel like a bill collector or she's going to ask more questions and i'm not prepared to tell her and so she gave him the phone luckily without asking anything else which was really kind i was really grateful for that and so i just said it to him i go hey um so you're rick and I, i go so were you in the military in 1974 in germany he's like yeah i said so you i said i think you knew my mom connie frame um he goes, yeah. Oh, wow. And it's, it's, the answer got longer, and I go, I'm pretty sure that makes you my dad. He goes, I was wondering if that's what you were going to say next or something oh, like wow. that. So he knew, and um, you know, he said this really great thing to me. We had this, we talked for like two hours. yeah wow. uh, it was really emotional. And he said this great thing to me, which was, um, he goes, he goes, I, I don't know if I could say every day of my life, but he goes, nearly every day, nearly every day of my life. I've thought about you, wondered where you are, how you're doing, who you are, like nearly wow. every day. And that was the thing that I was, I think, afraid of in reaching out. I didn't want to call a person and have them go, yeah, I know I made you, but it kind of moved on, right. and, yeah. and I'm that, doing my own thing, and I don't really have room in my life for this.
1: And that's what Matthew ran into, was that there wasn't, there's no closure
2: for yeah, him well, yet. you know, that's yeah. Richard Dreyfus. He's very busy. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean I
2: don't want to defend Richard Dreyfus, but let's be honest. I mean he's, he's not that busy. Maybe, right not, now. That busy <laughs> maybe not that busy anymore. He was busy. Yeah. I was afraid of that and I think the truth is if I were saying honestly what kept me from contacting him all that time, I needed to know that I was finally in a place like I where you can I take had it I dated either way. since I was 19 I wasn't used to a lot of rejection. I was like I didn't want to get rejected and not be ready for it. And wow. so I needed to be at a place where I finally said, "You know what? No matter what he says, I'm okay with it now. I just want to hear a voice on the other end of the phone, maybe ask a few questions and and see what happens. And um and and so to hear him say that was really that was a really nice thing to hear, you know? Yeah, wow. Wow. And then that
0: almost made me cry. Yeah. I teared I teared Uh, up. Stephanie, we need
1: crying on this podcast if we're gonna make it.
2: Yeah, more (laughs) tears. Um and then later that week, uh uh, I talked to my brother for the first time. We talked for like two and a half hours. He's my you're, half brother. He's, okay, he's a half brother. Um, we talked for like two and a half hours. Wow. And, and we just found all this like kind of common ground, common interests, and it was really nice. And it was, I was really nervous then after my dad's interaction. I was like, what if my brother rejects me? What if he's like, I don't know what you're looking for here, man? But right. So I was really nervous about him rejecting me, and he didn't. He was very very nice and we had a good conversation and and uh got to know each other and um my dad's sister my aunt called when i was driving up to sacramento she called me and we talked for an hour wow. and then i talked to um uh one of my stepsisters for um uh like an hour and a half on s- sunday and she's delightful and and she said some of the things that you were talking about she goes i gotta tell you like from the time i was two on you know rick has been my dad and I, I he's taught me all sorts of the important things in life and he's just been such a good man. And it was really nice to hear that right. from her perspective. Because I didn't always have that. Um, I didn't have the really good stepdad experiences. Right. Like, wasn't I don't have a lot of really positive memories uh, of uh, growing up with stepdads. But to hear that about him was really nice to go, that's where I come from. That's part wow. of who wow. I am. So,
0: oh, I'm going to cry now.
2: And they're coming out here. <laughs> he and his wife are coming <gasps> out on um, – like the first weekend in June. So they're going to come oh, wow. visit and oh I'm going to get to meet them for the first time. And I'm wow. super excited about wow. that. Wow, do, yeah. do
0: you ever want to watch... Or do you want them to see you perform or is that you're not ready I, for that yet? I don't yet? know.
2: I, don't, I, haven't even th- I can't even wrap my head around what I'm supposed to do at all that time. But yeah. um, at some point I want them to see me perform because it's a big part of, you know... And,
0: and they're coming out just to meet you? Yeah.
2: Wow. wow they're just great. coming out to... Yeah, to Say hi and and see what we can learn about each other. Wow. wow. So, but uh, yeah, so I feel like a, a, a caterpillar who's becoming a butterfly as <laughs> <laughs> well. Whoa. Well, now you
0: have like a new family, a I new do. support All system. These,
2: yeah, it's crazy. Which should, as a comic, selfishly, lead to more material. That's, That's usually what's happening, right? What that <laughs> does, right?
1: Now you can do gigs in Montana. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, we can all go out. I would to, love I'm inviting do, myself. I'm like, well, I would well I'll love go to Montana. To do gigs in Montana.
2: Let's right. just run a theater. Let's just do it.
0: Let's do it. Let's I, just produce a show. For a brewery. Or That's something. the one
1: place I, I mean, I. There's a few states I haven't performed it, but Montana's always been a tough nut to crack because there's not a lot. There's, there's Big lot Sky, right? And that's Big Sky Comedy Big Sky and, and, and Lucas
2: and Lucas runs that, and yeah. he, he does some shows somewhere. I don't really know him. I know his name.
1: Yeah. I say we Let's do it. Let's take over. Yeah,
2: I, I'm down. Let's yeah. do it. Let's do yeah. the. I
1: th- yeah, I think there it'd be desperate for comedy out
2: there, right? There must be opportunities. Yeah. Let's right. figure it out. Is
0: that where the president's heads are on the mountain?
2: No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to find a kind way to like. Let you uh, no, that's South Dakota.
1: I, I, but I'm sure somewhere there's presidents' heads. There's on probably, I was going to say we can are. perform
2: on the presidents' on heads. President. There are presidents' heads on the, all their coins. I think. <laughs> and their dollars still in Montana. Montana dollars still have yeah. the presidents' heads. Right. Yeah. For a
0: smart girl, I say stupid shit. Yeah, it's, that's it's
2: all right. All right. It's all geography. One, Come on, It's uh, all one big. Um, underpopulated kind of blob over there. To yeah, you know, it's, like, all, yeah like,
1: it's like Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota. It's all like one yeah, area. It's
0: yeah, it's one area it's it's like it's
2: me. Do you remember, I don't. there was that meme that went around when George Bush was president about how he saw the world, and it was like, this, these sections where it's like, here be monsters, you know? <laughs> that, like, <laughs> remember that quaint time when we thought uh, he was silly? Uh, yeah. What yeah. a good time that was.
1: So I think, so just to, we'll sort of bring this uh, to a finish here, but I feel like, like, did do you feel like like you really discovered comedy later in life and really started doing the things that you wanted to do? Is that sort of true? I, very is that late. an awakening? Or I don't.
2: It, it was uh, awakening is as good a thing to call it as anything a renaissance whatever. I, I don't know how best to look at it other than to say. Um, at some point right around thirty-seven, thirty-eight, I said, you know what? People are kind of, they tell me I can't do things a lot. People will tell me, I wanted to do triathlons. I was like, that looks amazing. And people would be like, no, you can't do that. And so I just started doing them. I just started doing sprint triathlons. And um, I'm that way with a lot of things. And so the more people tell me I can't do something or that it's irresponsible, the more I'm like, watch me. And, and around thirty-seven, thirty-eight, I, I was working for a, uh, a guy that I just didn't really care for how he treated me anymore. And every day he would tell me things when I would try and talk to him. About stuff, he'd be like, "You don't have any idea what goes into running a company. You have no idea what it takes." And and then I'd have people tell me the same thing about comedy, like, "You don't know what it takes to be a comic." And uh, I want to make a documentary film, and so I just did all those things at once. And like look at, you, at thirty-seven, you have your own I go, business "Yeah, <laughs> I, I I left the company I was at making really good money, and I started my own company, and I built it up from uh, with a partner. We built it from the two of us. We now have twenty-eight employees." Um, and i started comedy at the same time and i started shooting the documentary at the same time Wow! i go i i I think i started to believe i was like i'm almost middle-aged i'm just i'm just going to settle in and people are telling me to settle in and i finally i kind of woke up one more i was like i'm not ready to just settle in i'm still interested in going after some dreams i don't know where they'll go i don't know people ask me that question a lot about comedy like what do you want it to turn into I don't know 100%. I, I just know I really love doing it. You're I doing love getting it. on stage. Right. I love making people laugh. I love it. And I'm better now at, at looking at things in the moment. Um, I had a chance to do, I one of my dreams was to be an actor. And I, I got a chance oh, yeah. to be on, I got to go do a day uh, TV show uh, shoot for oh, yeah. TV show You're, You're the Worst. Uh, yeah. I got cast in that. I got you auditioned? Up, I auditioned. You um, went
1: into a studio, casting yeah, I went office. to a casting
2: agency over uh, somewhere in Santa Monica. Uh huh. Um, auditioned for this part. I kind of got in because of my knowledge of curling, so they were kind of seeking people from the curling very club. Very specific. But I, yeah, yeah <laughs> it's a very specific thing. But you didn't actually need to be able to curl well for the part, so I went in and auditioned, and um, uh, I got to go be on set for the day, and it was just such a cool day. And I got, we were, you know, my counterpart and I were featured, and so we were the two that got to go sit with the two stars in the you know the dressing room area with right. the director's chairs. It was just such a cool day, and it was such a nice bucket list experience. And then, uh, you know, a month or so ago, I got to see myself on TV for the first time. Yeah, an old version of me would have looked at that day or the TV show afterward as, okay, what, what do I turn that into? What's next? What does this mean? How do I, you know, rattle things off? And a lot of people have been like, oh, this is just my mom. Has been like, this is just the start. I know there's so many more great things right. for you. And I go, maybe. Or maybe that's the only time I'm on TV and I just really kind of relish the experience. And it's just it was just a really good life experience. I'd like to do it some more. If I never get to, I, I, I'm not sort of stuck in this thinking of like oh then i'm a failure uh, which is where i would have been at one yeah, point you're yeah you're just
0: proud of your accomplishments i'm proud of the
2: moment and yeah. i'm living in the moment a little bit more and trying to enjoy when i'm on a stage in portland i just am enjoying being on that stage with that audience i'm just really enjoying it and i'm not thinking about can portland get me into tacoma can get me into obviously we always have to think about
1: right but it is about that and i i steph really taught me that is like because if you're not enjoying what you're doing right now when you think that big thing that you're gonna accomplish, you win a comedy contest, or yeah. whatever, and that doesn't make you happy. It's like because you weren't enjoying just life in general and appreciating those moments. And it took me probably, you know, till I was forty or something to really realize that. And for you too, it's like that, that was where 30s. I was at. It was about, it
2: was really late thirties, yeah, where I started looking at things as their own their own moments and their own individual moments. And I, I, I I regret a little bit because I think I've allowed myself to wish so much time away. And I've got three kids that, you know, I've got a 20, a 17 year old, a 12 year old that I go, I think I didn't slow life down enough along the way and watch those things. Um, in ways I should have.
1: Part of that too is like, well, maybe if you hadn't done that, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't be where you're at now. Uh, Yeah. Everything
2: is part of, it makes up who I am and, it's even hard for me to, like, I, I can't look back even at Mormonism and be angry about growing up that way too much because had I not done that, I don't go to this Mormon college. I don't meet my wife who is, you know, the greatest. I mean, she mm-hmm. just really lets me, she's so supportive, lets me run off and do comedy shows for yeah. no money. And, you know, like. <laughs> she's so nice. She's, I met her at your, uh, I bartended yeah. Yeah. your
0: party, your Christmas party a couple years ago, and she just has such a warm heart. You can just tell she's a genuine good person. You she know?
2: really is. She's a much better person than me. She's a special ed teacher. <laughs> oh, stop no she's like like legit good person yeah she's like, a better person she's a better person um, <laughs> uh, she's a very very sweet kind person but if i hadn't been mormon i don't i, I probably don't meet her so can i really look at right. that and go ah i'm angry wow. not really
1: that's uh well I, this has been great i think just uh listening to this story like this is really when we do the podcast you know just that journey of of where you were and where you are now yeah. and uh Thank you so much for being. Yeah, here. you made and me yeah. cry. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: I I enjoyed it. It's it's fun to talk about it now.
1: Yeah, and Jeff is very funny. He um, what, what, he where can we the, follow
0: you and all that? Right. Well,
1: I want to mention he did the Las Vegas uh, oh yeah. comedy festival the you, satellite. You, 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 well, no, he he finished in the top. I finished three? In the
2: top nine of the World Series of Comedy in Las Vegas two years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm not really. I don't. I don't think I'm a great uh, competition comedian because I again I, I'm, I I really enjoy those sets that i can breathe a little bit more and that's where right. I, like featuring is where i really have a lot of fun because i can kind of catch my breath but um yeah i've done that and uh, you know i work in vegas and reno at the laugh factories and you're working um, so much because yeah.
0: everyone wants to work with you because you're you're so cool i,
2: so <laughs> I don't know cool. cool is one thing that a, that a, a lady has never said to me before steph so i really appreciate that um mm. it's, it's funny to say that because that in Vegas is one of the least cool I felt a couple weeks ago where we had this great audience. They were so much fun and off to the right there are these two table, or this table of two and they look like they were maybe 20 years old girls. And they had their arms folded and they just stared at me the whole time. And all I could think, everybody else is laughing. I was like you didn't laugh at me when I was that age. So there's no way you find me funny right now. Like that's all I can think about. Like right. they we, just we seem always so, are drawn to the people just seem, that are oh, have their arms it's crossed. It's the worst. With, and yeah. you're just like, everybody, ah, everybody else is about- having a great time, and these two girls that are 19 or 20 years old. I'm just are they making me so self conscious? Like is my fly open? Is right. like we all do that. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, well, it's the same thing with what we talked about is like, you got to focus on what is happening, yeah. what, the good things in your life. Um, yeah. But yeah, so where can we find you? On, I, on
2: social media. I'm on right. um, Instagram and Twitter at Jeff makes jokes. and I'm nice. on Facebook face, faceback, Facebook
1: That's the <laughs> Facebook, Mormon version. Of. Yeah, <laughs> well, that that's the other <laughs> unfortunate thing about Jeff's name is Jeff Johnson. Yeah. It's like, try Googling that. You should change your name.
2: Yeah. To, to a, I know, have what, what thought about it. The The difficulty I have now is my kids have that. I'm like, name. I like how easy that and is. I'm like, you should just change that. I have that. really thought about it, and I, I thought... Oh, I've known people who've done that, and and we've always mocked them. So oh, now he's Jeff Frame, and I'm tr- you know with comedy like you're getting your name uh, yeah to people a little bit. It's it feels tough to just what, swap it. What's your
1: son the magician's name? His name Liam was, Johnson. Uh, oh my God, Liam Frame, yeah. Liam Frame magician. Yeah, like that's a, that's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you like that
0: sound effect? Wins. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Um, and what else, and what about website? Do you have a Jeff makes jokes Jeff It's
2: Dude. not it's it's being built right now. I'm working on it right uh, now. Yeah, you got to get that website. I up. know I do. I'm terrible. I I'm I, I will All right. do oh, it. I'll where
0: do where can we see you?
2: Um, right now I honestly don't have a lot. I, I was but, so busy but, in April. <laughs> I was so busy in April that I I kind of have not booked a lot right now. I'm I'm. I'm working on sending out the avails again. I'm yeah. now kind of cranking on so that. So book Jeff. Book Jeff at um, hit me up on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. Yeah, all of us.
0: Uh,
1: thank you so much for being here. Yeah, on I love it. Um, yeah, thank always you, enjoyed Jeff. Uh, to you guys. This has been great. And uh, check us out uh, tomclark.com. StephClarkComedy.com. I can com. answer
0: for myself. Yeah,
2: Steph- I like watching you guys fight. That's Steph- my
1: favorite. <laughs> <You> should. <laughs> I like. That. I'm promoting her, and then yet it's still not good <laughs> enough. Like, <laughs> it's not like I said uh, the wrong one.
0: StephClarkComedy.com, FunnyGirlEvents.com, FunnyGirlEvents on Instagram. I need to create a separate one for this. And
2: a plug for Steph Funny Girl Events, like not just comedy too, but like, uh, like I had Steph come to bartend, like this, this christmas party and yeah. it was so cool she brought like this level of class to the party that i would not Aww, be able to thanks. achieve on my own of just setting alcohol out and it was you know <laughs> setting alcohol right, just, here's alcohol there's a bottle no she br- she like made up uh special drinks for the night and uh-huh. everybody loved it and they Aww, were they were thanks. just they were so so if you if you have an event it's uh it's really cool she does a good job yeah, that's right yeah
0: we're all over it's getting a little crazy we're, oh yeah well we're gonna... don't then don't uh, no if, no if it's good yeah, book if she's me.
2: too busy
1: don't don't do it and we will podcast during any event that you have. That would be fun. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thank you, guys. And please subscribe. Uh, give us five stars there on iTunes. All the stuff you do. I, we don't really understand it. But uh, please do it, whatever you do. Kisses. Thank you, guys. Love you. All right.